You're listening to Let's Talk Tennis, a podcast by Grantham Tennis Club and Gym. I'm Tim Martin, and each week I'll sit down with a coach or member of staff to discuss their role, what's happening at the club, and in the sport we love. In today's episode, I'm joined by coach and wheelchair tennis player, Paul Singleton. Paul, thank you for joining me today. First question, how did you start playing wheelchair tennis? Um, it was a bit of an accident to start with. Uh, I met somebody at a hospital who's, who still plays and he said that one of his friends had said, do you want to have a try? And I'd not done anything. I'd been in a wheelchair for about a year, not played any other sport and thought, well, it's better than doing now. Obviously, it's led to a lot of other stuff since then. But that's just being interested in sport and having an opportunity, which is, I think is really important for one of the things that we offer to people. One of, one of the things that I really uh, liked about it is that uh, that it's not adjusted too much for... I know there are sports that are adjusted a very lot for people with a wide range of disabilities, but this one has... There's a lot of different levels of players and there's a lot of different competencies and different physical problems, but the game is still the same. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, when you're, and being able to play against able-bodied people and anybody you like, really, is a, a massive plus, I think. Next question then was going to be, what is it about the game you love? Uh, one of the things, and I've been uh, been on a course lately, so I've been speaking to a few people and a few trainers, and uh, hopefully it doesn't put anybody off, but it is hard. <laughs> it's one of the <laughs> hardest sports to learn. And in a weird way, I think that's what makes people like it because you can't just roll up one day, oh, I'm good at this. It takes time and it takes determination, which are things, and it really, uh, one of the things I like is I've spoke to people quite a bit before is you're a bit of a beginner and and you're trying to achieve a certain shot. So you eventually you hit that shot and you should be really happy. The first thing your brain says, I wonder if I can do more of them. So, so it's like learning, but it never stops. So no matter how good you get, and you look at the professionals on telly, you know, the number one in the world still spends three hours a day practising. You know, he's not content that, he, that he's already good enough. He's still training and still practising. Whatever form of tennis you play, the forehand, etc., is the same. But if you're not constantly pushing in wheelchair tennis, if you can't manoeuvre the chair... You're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, and again, that's a, another. We do do. I mean, everybody. Obviously, most of my lessons that I teach are able-bodied, but yeah. some of the stuff that I really focus on in wheelchair lessons can think actually could really use that in. So a bit of perception, like do, do we ever spend any time just watching the ball and learning how high we think it's going to bounce? What we yeah. do is spend most of our time running after the ball and trying to hit it. Actually, if we got better at that, we'd have less running to do. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that wheelchair players have to do is because of that last second when you're in the wrong position, not that you ever have been, Tim, but you can take a little step to the side or a little step back just as a ball. We we can't do that. So we have to try and have already done it before the ball gets there. Again, it's difficult, but it's also like quite a nice challenge. You know, like it's something extra to learn. It's a master, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. As you said, wheelchair tennis players can, of course, play with everybody. Grantham Tennis Club was recently selected by the LTA to be a diversity and inclusion case study. What does inclusivity mean to you, Paul, and how, in your opinion, can tennis clubs improve and become more inclusive? 
Well, there's sort of two two different things. So the the first one is all you can worry about is it's like when we first started. We didn't sit down and think, right, how, how are we going to win an award, right? So what we thought is, how can we make it so that more people can play? Yeah. We were lucky in one way, but you also can make your own luck. So uh, the fact that I started coaching really early on, so then everybody was quite comfortable. With, you know, when I first started playing, there might be people look through and say, oh, somebody's playing in a wheelchair. But now, we, you know, we have that many people playing near enough every day None of the kids or parents, anything, they never even questioned that they wouldn't play. So then we've also got our learning uh, difficulties and disabilities groups as well, which are fantastic. We, they get, we get more and more and more. And um, one of the things, we had a competition a few weeks ago. And um, we were trying to say nice things about our coaches and our managers and stuff, uh, how... Uh, how welcoming our club was for people with disabilities because we had a big competition. So I had, I had to have a little think about it because I did a speech at one of our dues. Um, it's like a national one, yeah. And um, everybody says the same. And what I what I try to... Obviously, everybody says well done to me and to Sarah and everybody else. And actually, it's not really about that because I was, I was in that competition. So I spent most of my time playing. Sarah was away doing... Um, manager things and most of our coaches were doing coachy things yes okay. so actually the people that they're talking about being welcoming are all our other people that just come to play which, yeah. which is even better you know that it's not just us doing it and then obviously that leads to there's 4,000 tennis clubs in the UK it's good knowledge yeah uh, <laughs> it is uh, and, and they chose us to be and this wasn't just for the public people to try and say you know we do the this was for other t- tennis clubs that some that do a bit some that don't do any some that already do a lot even for them clubs they could still look at us and try and gain something from it to improve their yeah. program as club manager sarah Patton says in a video the players with a disability are the ones who have to do the hard work to get out of their comfort zone. And we as a club and coaches don't have to do too much at all. Not at all, yeah, definitely. You, I think, I think obviously, well, you've, you've been in a few of our lessons and you've watched a few of our lessons and you've seen this play and whatever. If, if we were talking about somebody who's in the top tenant world and their, their training's probably quite complex, their moving patterns are really complex and then they're trying to achieve a lot more with the ball and... They probably are quite detailed lessons. Most people, I'm going to say most, just because there might always be one, they're not going to turn up and start playing tennis in a wheelchair and be doing that. No. They're, they're going to be just moving a little bit and doing whatever. So, you know, it doesn't need that much adapting from what you'd normally do in a normal lesson. And a lot of it you do learn by watching and by doing it yourself as well. To people with a disability thinking of becoming a coach, what would you say? Well, it's of course, only encouragement. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more opportunities in. It's not for everybody, you know. Not everybody. It could be that you know good enough, or. But the first thing, and I've always said, even before I was in a wheelchair, about your sport. If you really, you will love that sport, and you play that sport, and enjoy doing it for a start. That's what helps you to keep doing more hours and keep getting better, and then coaching sort of becomes a natural thing. Because then you'll find people that have, uh, even, even before Neil had started, obviously I, I was a coach quite a long and I was coaching Neil and he was having quite a lot of lessons and coming quite often and he didn't have any coaching experience but while we were doing lessons and new people were coming, 
it, it might only it might start off with oh, just hold your racket a bit like that. It might be something really simple, but as soon as you start noticing things, then and you can remember what you were told, uh, then it's quite easy to pass on the information. Obviously, you have to put a lot more into it to get to a bit higher level. But just anybody helping anybody is a good thing, isn't it? Frankly, that question shouldn't come into mind if you're imparting coaching knowledge. It is just tennis. Your disability won't have any effect. I don't feel the need to apologise, but it is quite ridiculous to ask. One of my proudest you know, things, right, and, uh, and I've done quite a lot of stuff. I'm not, not going to say what I've done, but I've done quite a lot of stuff and I'm really proud of it all. And one of the best things that I somebody said to me is um, I coached a boy about three years ago, I think maybe even a tiny bit more, uh, and his mum came to me. I'd been ill for a little while, and um, I'd saw his mum and had not seen her for a long time, and she said, because uh, I don't do his lessons anymore, and she said, can you remember when I first started doing his lessons that he used to come home every week and say, oh, we've got this new coach who says this, and we've got this new coach who says that, and I'm getting better at doing this. Well, that's brilliant. That's what you're supposed to say, isn't it? And the thing that surprised her and that made me quite proud is that it was about a month. He'd been to at least four lessons before he mentioned that I were in a wheelchair, and that's sort of what you've just said, isn't it? Information's information. doesn't matter where it comes from. I think the thing that you can notice is when people are quite passionate, so if, if somebody's trying to tell you something and they don't look interested, you're probably not going to be as bothered, are you? But it no. seems to be that we have a lot of people, um, obviously that comes from top as well. We Everybody tries to do a little bit extra, then it seems normal, doesn't it? It's not a bit extra anymore, it's just part of what we do. If you can go into a bit more depth about what we offer as a club for um, what, what we do wheelchair tennis-wise in terms of the programme, coaching, and then the competitive opportunities as well. We, uh, I mean, we've got now uh, three proper wheelchair sessions every week. Uh, there's also, uh, when, you know, once you've been coming for a while, the uh, ability to be able to play with each other on just a social basis, um, which is fantastic as well. Um, we have a beginner's lesson on a Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock, which is just because when you first start, um, there's a lot, of, a lot of things to learn and you want to concentrate on your own little bits. And obviously, if you start playing straight away with somebody who has been playing for a couple of years already, that ball might seem like it's coming particularly fast. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not, and you will get used to it. Everybody manages fine. It's just that while you've got your head down and you're looking at your wheels and you're trying to work out how to hold your racket, and you've just, it's just a bit easier if you're playing with other people that are doing the same thing. But having said that, that um, uh, uh, our last couple of learners have started coming on Saturdays as well. So you've so, already seen that improvement. Yeah, the, you know, they've, yeah. yeah they've, it's not taken long at all for them to be able to fit in. And what another good thing about tennis is, um, it's, say we, we're working on a particular shot and we set a target up. Anybody can do that same drill. So the person who's only just having their, you know, they've been playing for two weeks and whatever, their target might be bigger, but it's the same thing they're trying to achieve as somebody who's played for Great Britain. They just want to get 10 in a row. So, But it's still the same thing. And you can learn from watching other people as well, which is good. So then, so our other two main sessions are Friday at 1 o'clock and Saturday at 1 o'clock. Um, Saturdays for an hour, hour and a half for people that have to travel from a bit further, so we make a longer session. Nice, yeah. And then we also try to, and I think we haven't missed one for a while, 
during every half term or school half term we have a camp which is for a couple of hours one tea time um, again for people that are probably might be at work or that are at school because the schools have different timings don't they so we have some Leicestershire some Nottinghamshire and some Lincolnshire and, uh, so it gives them a chance to be able to finish school come as quick as they can and then they can have a couple of hours and that's a really good mix of people wanting to achieve different things so we've yeah. we've got some people that'll be happy to get a couple of free balls over we've got some people that would be annoyed at missing two or three balls over uh, but they're all still doing the same thing and then there are a lot of competitions as well or starting yeah. to be a lot more at least once a month there's a competition and because it's quite scary as well uh, most of these competitions have a novice section so not you wouldn't necessarily be in playing for a couple of months and then go and play against somebody who's <laughs> number five in country or whatever it'd be close to playing people at your level as well so it's like an introduction it's still playing the same points that and again as we talked about earlier same scoring same everything same court same balls it's just that you hopefully be playing against somebody who's a bit nearer to your ability yeah there is that player pathway created by the tennis foundation for the absolute beginner from that stage right up to the professional tour it is one of the more professional sports, so the the higher end of it, um, yeah. in terms of training, and they all have psychologists and nutritionists and some wheelchairs that cost a very lot of money. That I'd love one. Cheap, are they? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I suppose that that even they, uh, all of them, in fact, I, I'm guessing every single one of them still started by coming down to somewhere like Grantham and yeah. borrowed a wheelchair and borrowed a racket and you know, and started from there. So, uh, you know, everybody's got that same chance at the start. Not everybody can make it, but it doesn't mean that you can't have fun trying. If we can speak specifically now, please, mate, as to how the tennis club has helped you, Neil talked about how it gave him the desire to get out of the house. I can, obviously, as a, as a player and just as a person, uh, timing-wise, uh it was amazing for me. I, I, I'd been through a lot of stuff, been in hospital for a long time, and been in a coma for a long time. And and I and I before previously played football and cricket and rugby and everything, and been and I didn't have anything else. And and it weren't that I wasn't looking. I I, I was you know I sat in an hospital bed in my front room because I couldn't get upstairs yet, looking at sports and looking at whatever. And then, like I say, it was a bit of an accident that I ended up doing tennis. But obviously, I'm glad I did. What we've got to try and do, actually, and I was supposed to talk about Vicente on that bit, but anybody who has any even the tiniest tiniest interest, come and have a go. We'll 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 let you have a go for free. Just come and try, even if you think we're well, a lot of people. Eh, I won't be able to do that. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> think if you. What only thing that I can't teach you to do is to want to try, and everything else. Tennis is one of them. Up to a certain point, if you can learn and listen to somebody teaching you, you can really, really improve a lot. Even if you're not, even if you don't think you're the most natural sports person. Because, yes, there are many ways you can vary the draws and activities that you do while still keeping the skill closed. I mean, even, um, like, again, at the highest level, um, uh, we've seen um, some people training and one of the 
one of the things that helps people hit a tennis ball is how fast it's coming. So up to, to a certain point, obviously, there's a limit. Having some speed on the ball makes it easier to hit. So we see professionals, Roger Federer and whatever, people just dropping a ball next to them. And you'd think that that's a really basic thing for people that have just started, but it actually teaches you to hit the ball properly because you've got nothing else to help you apart from your swing. Um, and we do stuff like that for, for learners. And then obviously, we basically, we you get further away and we get further away and the ball gets a bit faster, but you'll never change or hardly ever change the thing that you've already learned. You just have to get better at it. <laughs> Several times this year, Paul, we've hosted tennis foundation competitions and training camps. So some of the learning dis, uh, disability stuff that we've done with the Tennis Foundation has been amazingly successful. We are quite successful as a club at um, learning dis, disabilities and we actually mentioned earlier about um, about if you want to do something. So we're not, um, we're not lucky that we have millions of special schools around us and people with... It's just that we go and offer them an opportunity to come. So everybody else could do it. It's just how much work you put into it. And um, one of the things that we have been a lot better at, I think, more recently, is we used to have a lot of um, LD players would come, do an hour session, have good fun, learn a bit of stuff, and then they'd go home and they'd come back again next time. Whereas most of our other lessons, we are normally building towards somebody playing a match. So our focus is to get people playing proper tennis. Um and we have done that a lot more. Um, James has been doing quite a bit of that. We've had our LD players going off to Chesterfield. You know, for some of them people who you know probably don't do anything like that, to travel to an away game and play a game of tennis is like an amazing experience for them. And then obviously even more than that, we've got a couple of our players who have got gold medals at the school games, I think it was, or something like that. And um, we've also got a player who's been selected to play for England. So even... Uh, even in our LD groups, we're still getting the progression of, you know, the, there is not a limit that we put on it. Whatever you can get it to, we'll try and get you to that. And um, we also, I tell you, one thing that needs mention is we have so many people, every time we say, right, we've got this big event and 50 LD players are coming, right, they all volunteer and, we you know, it makes a nice event as well as us worrying about who's going to do this, that, other. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the competitions, because we're doing so well, they've been holding some of the competitions at our venue as well, which is quite a nice thing, um, having national events held here as well. Yeah, it was the Tennis Foundation's regional LD competition at the end of May. We received some excellent feedback as a club, proof uh, of everyone's hard work. I think one of, you know, one of the best things about us as a club, if it, if it, if it ever helped anybody else, is... We have a management system and a structure with our coaches, and we, whenever anybody says, "Oh, do you think we'd be able to do this?" rather rather than saying no, we'll think, "Shall we have a? We'll try and find that." So even someone as far back as can can somebody in a wheelchair do a coaching course? Well, we'll find out, right? You know, nobody said, and obviously they can. And we we've now got three coaches that have a disability at this club, which is ridiculous. Uh, so it shows, like you said earlier, about the pathway. Firstly, enjoy playing and learn your sport, but there are a lot of opportunities um, within this sport as well. I mean, we 
I tell you, another good way that we look at it is when people turn up, somebody who I've never seen before comes to have a game of wheelchair tennis or or an LD play or whatever, don't stand talking about what conditions you've got and this, that, other. Right, let's get you in a chair, see if we can make you comfortable for a start, see if we can make you safe, and then we'll see what you can do. Right? If you tell me you can't do something, we won't do that anymore. If, I don't, it don't matter what you've got, does it? It doesn't matter, the title doesn't matter. <laughs> As long as you're not going to hurt yourself and you're having fun, then we'll, we'll yeah. do that. The first time I helped out in a wheelchair tennis session and we were assisting a lady when she was getting into the tennis chair, if someone is uncomfortable, they'll tell you. Several times asked her if, you know, if, she, was, if she was okay and it was just straight off the bat said, she'll tell you if she's not okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, we, I mean, we do have like quite an open, um, relaxed style as well as not just me. Uh, as a club, we're you know we're quite like that, and we 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 get a lot of interaction with coaches, and we get a lot. Of, uh, hopefully, we make people feel comfortable enough to tell us if they if they had a problem. Um, and I think immediately, you know, as daft as it sounds, when people try to sit in a chair and they say, "Oh, I can't really sit in this," because as soon as we start altering it and making adaptions, people know that you're going to try to... So if you have a problem, some people might not mention it because they think, well, if I tell them that my leg's hurting, I won't be able to play anymore. Well, if you tell us that your leg's hurting, we'll change your chair or we'll we'll move the foot plate or, you know, whatever it is that we have to do, we'll, we'll change it because we, we want as many people to... Because it makes such a difference to people's lives as well. I don't think I don't think I said that enough earlier. To the, like the three main bits of learning a new sport, having having a hobby, and having something that's like a regular. Right, I go there every week, or I go there twice a week, and it's something that you a routine that you ha, that you don't have to go, but hopefully you'd want to go every single time. Then there's the physical bit of it and learning a new sport, which is endorphins and whatever. It's a bit more fun than gym. Um, you get so strong physically as well without even trying. And then all those positive things, and they're not even the best thing. The best thing is that there's a lot of other people here that are nice that will talk to you. And you can have a nice, you know, if you like coffee and uh <laughs> Remarkably enough, they sell Cake. amazing cakes, yeah. <laughs> Which obviously we don't have any of. I would encourage everyone, just back to the tennis, I'd encourage everyone, every tennis player, to have even just half an hour, an hour in a wheelchair tennis chair to understand what the players go through. We, we have a little charity event. Um, uh, we've had a couple um, where we actually let people let, you can, you can have it as well. Uh, <laughs> We have people playing who are not disabled playing in wheelchairs. Not even yes, some, yeah. even sometimes they do it not to actually play tennis, but just we put a little course out on the see who can do the fastest time and um, like a, a fastish times about thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, and we have some people doing it in like a couple of minutes or whatever. And I, I think uh, I've been included in that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think we even had one that got lost. So I'm not I'm not yeah. sure how that works. But right. how did that happen? <laughs> But it is quite nice that because um, you know, like a little tiny bit. I don't, I don't want any credit, but a tiny bit of appreciation for when you see Neil or somebody out there for two or three hours at a time doing um, thing, and then somebody's been in one for five minutes and thought, "Wow, like my hands hurt, my shoulders hurt, and whatever." You know, it's, even without hitting a tennis ball or thinking about your tactics and stuff like that, that's hard work. So let's go then. Mr. Soon-to-be level three coach. <laughs> yeah. Any wheelchair tennis players that are listening, give us some tips. Well, 
main first thing we do is try and get people to be able to move around a little bit, just because it's not much fun if you if you can't move, right? So we do some pushing first, and then learning how to push with your racket in your hand is quite a big thing. People never believe you when you say that in two months' time, like you you go in at minute looking like you're holding. <laughs> like a bag of a big bag of shopping or something and you can't push in a couple of months time you won't even know that you're I don't think that's right but it, it just comes to you it's eventually same as most things yeah muscle memory isn't it it's exactly right it. you get used to it so that's sort of and then we would definitely try uh, first couple of lessons to get people to to just try and swing and watch hit a few balls because I could be telling something uh, te- trying to teach something that they already are doing which is just a waste of our time as well because if somebody we have a lot of people uh, surprisingly enough there's another one for people we have a lot of people that play wheelchair tennis and they they don't use a wheelchair in their normal life so you don't have to that's not one of the all you have to have is a like a permanent um disability that affects your mobility so we have people that have brittle bone disease so they walk around school and they do anything they want it's just that they couldn't go and run around playing sport because they'd get injured. So they they definitely qualify for wheelchair tennis. So after we've got people to hit a few balls and whatever, uh, level three um, course starts with that the most important thing is movement and positioning. That doesn't change, I don't think, no matter <laughs> how old you are, what level you're at, or if you're in a wheelchair or an LD player, if you can get people to be in the right... Cause what we, what we, we have seen people before who they drop a ball next to them and they hit it and they drop it and they hit it and they drop it and they hit it. Right, you've, now you've got the best forehand in Grantham and then you go to the other end of court and you hit them a ball and they can't get anywhere near it because they don't know where to stand. They, you know, so that uh, I would we work a lot on movement and recovering because um, it makes all the shots a lot easier. Um what, what we encourage, i tell you what we've had, which we didn't mention as much, is we've had a few people who've come and they've not really been able to do it because of injuries or because of age or, you know, maybe a couple of little things like that. But they still come and because we've got a nice cafe and the cakes, which we've already mentioned, we've probably mentioned too much now. <laughs> Chocolate, just in case anybody wants to get me. Um, if, you know, the... The social side of it, still coming out for a couple of hours and having a chat and watching a bit of tennis and whatever. And then if you want to come down and watch and not say too much or not do too much, that's fine. Uh, what The only thing I'd say is if you come and watch and you think, oh, they look quite good, I wouldn't be able to do that. You didn't see them when they had their first day. <laughs> Paul, I've loved speaking to you today. Thank you so much for, for joining me and talking about your life as a coach giving us an insight into that and also the disability program at Grantham Tennis Club. We're going to end now with some uh, quick fire questions. Yeah. If that, if that works for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just first answer that comes into your head. Favourite tennis player? Ooh. Uh, Federer. Favourite food? I do like chicken tikka masala. Favourite place on earth? Yeah, Grant from Tennis Club. (laughs) Right answer, Paul. (laughs) Who's winning the Australian Open? It's too too close to tell for everybody, I think. I think everybody likes that one. So 
And just getting to go to Australia would be quite nice, wouldn't it? It would. should all be in a good mood. <laughs> Forget about the winning. Yeah, <laughs> just, just be happy to be in Australia. Okay. You can invite three people, past, present, to a dinner party. Who are you inviting? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Yeah. Favourite Grand Slam? Uh, Wimbledon. Night in or night out? <sighs> Uh, night in with the occasional night out <laughs> with you <laughs> <laughs> last song you listened to <sighs> might have been uh, some 90s techno dance song because we were listening to them the other night remembering what music used to be like something like Rosala favourite film film they're not easy these questions I, I, I don't know quick fire Paul come I'm, on quick fire I'm very non-committal <laughs> about these things favourite film uh, Lethal Weapon all of them I like them what's been your happiest moment so far in life uh, having my kids obviously that's a big one for most people if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be <sighs> um I do, I do think Australia is a nice place, as long as you can um, dodge the spiders and stuff. And the sharks. Yeah. And the alligators. <laughs> and snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you want to retire? Uh, maybe somewhere it's warm all the time. Yep. Just that works for me as well. <laughs> what would you put in room 101? Not too much. I've tried to be understanding-ish of... Everybody's a bit different, don't they? Just because you don't like someone, it doesn't mean somebody else should not. But um, not listening. Maybe you know if you the, them people that are really so convinced that they're right that it doesn't matter what you say, even if you showed them a video that they're wrong, they'd still not listen to it. But I try to be quite open about things. Favorite TV program? Ooh, it's a good one. Uh, I used to like Stargate. I watched that. <laughs> I like it. I like a lot of space stuff. Um, there's Lethal Weapon, Rush Hour, you know, that sort of thing. Bit of action, bit of comedy. Last time you laughed very hard out loud. <laughs> About five or two minutes. <laughs> it's like most of the time. <laughs> you normally know I'm here. What would you do if you didn't have to work tomorrow? Play tennis, probably. <laughs> Again, right answer. <laughs> or maybe somewhere, go somewhere warm and then play tennis. Paul, it's been great. Thanks so much for joining me. And uh, I'll see you on the court. Brilliant, mate. Thank you very much.